It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Become 
the significant force she was, I think that is not only more significant than any other out of game four, but, you know, as the risk of jumping ahead, something really vital for game five, too. Yeah, I think you uh, you hit on a very key point here when you said that she was able to adjust to the adjustment. And so, you know, after her, you know, historic game two in the WNBA Finals, I think that it's very safe to say that, you know, the Mystics spent, you know, that, that large gap between uh, last Tuesday and Sunday uh, preparing to stop John Cole Jones. So, you know, for, for her to come out and, you know, uh, in, in, in this matchup of, of chess pieces, for her to be able mm-hmm. to combat what the Mystics were able to do, uh, I think that, that that really speaks uh, high volumes for not only her character uh, as a person, but, I mean, her skill level as a basketball player. And, you know, she, she was nothing short of magnificent yesterday. I mean, the, the, the detail in this series that shouldn't be overlooked is that this is these are two teams performing at the highest level, and that goes for coaching as well, where Mike Chibo and Kurt Miller are masters of the craft. And so at no point are you sitting there thinking, well, geez, why did he do that? Everybody has a reason for why they are operating in the way that they are over and over again, whether it's a counter to what the other team is doing or just a way to try and make sure that that is the team that sets pace. There's no greater indication of that than the way John Paul Jones, number one, was force-fed in game two. And this is someone who had never taken as many as 20 shots in the game until last round of the playoffs against the uh, Los Angeles Sparks, where she took 24 shots in game two. Game three became a three-person duel with John Paul Jones to make sure that there was a body on her before the shot even went up to limit how much she could uh, wreak havoc on the offensive and defensive glass. That is the way that Mike Tebow came back. And so, John Quell, it was a question of adjusting to the adjustments we were saying, number one, but number two, she was able to do it in a game where Elena Delton was physical with her and prominently featured. Game two, 32 and 18, happened with Elena on the bench for 37 out of 40 minutes. That was not the case in a game where Elena played of memory one minutes last night, and John Paul Jones was still able to be an effective and more than effective force at times for the Connecticut. So that is just it speaks well of her future in the league after four years where she's made multiple all-star teams. Her true shooting percentage is 61.1%, which is fourth best in the history of the WNBA. Put that in perspective. And the her best years, presumably, are ahead of her. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree that the best years are ahead of her. And I think that I wanted to touch on one of the things you said yesterday, that uh, one of the things you just said was, that uh, Elena Deladonna was being more physical with her than she was in in the previous game. And Mm -hmm. I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, she's the more days that she is removed from having that, uh, what the mystics are calling a a minor disc uh, herniation. Like I think that she moved a lot better on the court yesterday. Although I do believe that, by the time the, the 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 fourth quarter rolled around, that that she looked a little bit fatigued, and I think a lot of that has to do with the injury. So, what, what do you think happened where where Elena Deladon was able to come out and she started out hot, she scored seven points in the first quarter, but she ended up not. I think she only took four shots total in the second half. What 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 do you think uh, happened that that caused her to you know you know kind of kind of lose her fastball a little bit? Well, it's fascinating. So I asked her about it after because. 
saw right away, look, she took shots. She hadn't taken six shots in three. But she was visibly moving poorly on lone drive to the basket she took all afternoon in game three. And to anyone who's followed her career, it was mind-blowing. The idea of Elena Deladon, who was this force of nature, who was simply indomitable, when she gets going downhill, would have trouble getting to the basket. It was it was crazy to see. That was not the case in game four, and she did a bunch of that early on. But she did say that she was moving a lot freer. She was physically looser and able to handle that. What we then saw was Connecticut say, all right, look, we can't treat her like a stationary shooter. And so they were coming out on her, and she was talking about having to respond to a defense that was no longer saying, all right, look, we're going to look at her as, you know, in essence, uh, uh, you know, a Shakina Strickland-type player, somebody you're going to make sure you knock her off the line. That was no longer the way they could treat Elena. They responded to that. And so that it became harder for her to get to the basket, I think had less to do necessarily with her being fatigued, although that certainly could put it apart when you haven't played for a week and then suddenly you're going 26 and then 30 minutes and uh, the course of three days, that's not an easy thing to do. But I also think, again, it's the way the Connecticut Sun realized you had to defend Elena Deladon more like she was Elena Deladon in game four. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I noticed, um, you know, I, uh, watching from the TV broadcast was that, you know, she, in game uh, in game three, she really kind of spent a lot of the time uh, sitting down or, or laying down on the ground and or stand or standing up to you know kind of keep that keep that back loose. Whereas, or or, or uh, exercise bike, by the way, it. down down the tunnel, and it, it's I, I had a, a kind of bird's eye view for it uh, in game three and four, and she was going back. There was no point in which she would sit down on the bench. What she said to us after game she was sitting was not a, was not my friend right now, and so she made sure she wasn't doing it. Uh, amusingly, the only time I saw her sitting was a couple of minutes prior to coming to speak to us on the podium post-game uh, while Mike um, was talking to us after game three. And she she was stiff getting up out of the chair just to be able to do that. So clearly that was something significant that was having a, a, a negative effect on her physically. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we have to take into consideration that, you know, tomorrow's game would be her third game uh, for this week. So mm-hmm. let, let, let's try to, uh, you know, go ahead and preview this big game five tomorrow. Mm. Uh, what, what do you think are some of the keys from from both teams' perspective uh, as, to, as to how, uh, you know, one of these teams is going to be end up raising the trophy at the end of the night? Well, so let's start with Elena because I, I, I think it's fair to say that as close as she is to 100% is going to have a lot to do with how effective the minutes are in a couple of ways. Number one, obviously, there's just the mere fact of Elena Deladon. Elena Deladon being the preeminent talent of our age. You know, certainly one of, if not the dominant players in the history of this league right now. And so the closer you have her to normal, the more likely it is that the Mystics are going to win. But there's something else that goes with that as well, which is knowing how close to 100% is, and the sooner that Mike Tebow knows that, the more he's going to be able to plan accordingly, whether it's by feeding it to her and making sure that she's closer to the 13.8 shot attempt game that she had this year, or if you end up thinking about her as 
an elaborate decoy if you're thinking about her as something in between those two things, which is effectively what she was in games three and four. All of that matters. And Washington has enough offensive firepower to make alternate plans. We saw with Emma Mieseman, she scored 21 points in game three. We saw it with Ariel Powers, 15 points in game four. And it's notable that Powers scored 15 points in game four without my people calling too much as a single play for her. Because those are the types of sh- shot makers that are on this team. Shatori Walker Kimbrough even comes up with seven points off the bench. It's just endless, start to finish on this Washington roster. People who can come up big and make big plays. But Elena, first and foremost, if she's right, that's obviously an X factor that no one can counter with. Um, and I would say the same is true for Connecticut when it comes back to John Collins. I, I mean, there's. There's been a consistency to Alyssa Thomas. Alyssa Thomas is inevitable. Alyssa Thomas is going to make plays as a secondary facilitator. She's going to do the basket. She's going to find some ridiculous trick shot that she somehow makes over and over again, despite having problems with both her shoulders. She's just this incredibly tough, incredibly smart, remarkably sophisticated basketball player. And Courtney Williams is going to get her shot off. And it almost doesn't matter who's guarding her. Natasha Cloud does a better job than anyone else because Natasha Cloud is an elite defender, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. But Courtney Williams is going to find her shot almost always every time down the court. But if John Paul Jones is a third scorer, is a third rebounder, and is dominant as a rim protector, it changes Connecticut's ceiling from where they were when she was intermittently effective, which was one of the better teams in this league, to what they have been in this playoffs, which is every bit a championship contender, every bit worthy of being just a win away. Yeah, I think that you know when you when you touch on uh, you know the Sun, they're they're very top heavy. You know when you when you look at their 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 big three of John Crow Jones, Alyssa Thomas. And and of course the 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 big dog uh, Williams. So, but at the same time, like the Mystics, they are so deep, and their bench outscored the Sun uh, thirty nine to ten yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I mean they 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 they're bringing off uh, Walker Kimbrough and Misaman, and even Tiana Hawkins has gotten into the to the mix now. Mm-hmm. Like, they they the Mystics are a very deep team, but I mean I have to admit that the Sun. You know, with their with their top three are 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 are, are much more top heavy. Than well, I, I would go a step further. I would say a top five because we shouldn't overlook Shakina Strickland and her ability not just to make threes but be able to drive to the basket and keep defenders honest and be able to hit that mid range shot. That's been a very effective weapon for them throughout these playoffs. And Jasmine Thomas, let, let's just shout out what she is. I mean, the reason they're here. The reason they're in this series at all is Jasmine Thomas took on an all-WNBA point guard in Chelsea Gray with the Los Angeles Sparks and utterly outplayed her in a way that was just remarkable. Jasmine Thomas, late in that game, hit two free throws to put her team up three. Jasmine Thomas, late in that game, found Shakina Strickland for the three that ultimately got Connecticut 87, while Washington finished with 86. She charged those with the winning points on that basket. Jasmine Thomas, who just turned 30, who has been in this league for the better part of a decade, is criminally underappreciated, extremely bright, wonderfully talented at both sides of the ball. 
is absolutely worthy as a point guard on a championship team. And I would say the same, to be frank, for the point guard uh, uh, and her opposite number in Natasha Cloud. And you find that above all by talking to both of them because they are both extremely complementary of the other. Uh, it came as no surprise to me, though it was lovely to hear Natasha Cloud talk about that she tried to pattern her game after that of Jasmine Thomas. And my goodness, just players who aren't in that top 5, 10, 15 player discussion when you think about who gets the most headlines in the WNBA. But Jasmine Thomas and Natasha Cloud, they make the WNBA go round. Yeah, I mean, Jasmine Thomas, I think that a lot of uh, our listeners here are very much familiar with her. She's from Oakton, Virginia. Mm-hmm. She was a, a former uh, All-Met Player of the Year, according to the Washington Post, back in mm-hmm. 2007. So we're, we're, we're very familiar with, you know, Jasmine Thomas's basketball-playing ability. And well, if, good, know, she wasn't playing not Jasmine Thomas Evangelist. Exactly. If she wasn't playing against the Mystics, you know, I think that a lot of people from this area would be rooting for her. I'm but, sure uh, you're you right. Know, uh, the, the home team comes first. And when you talk about uh, Natasha Cloud, uh, who who is the, the the opposite of the point guard? I mean, she she was a second team all uh, defense, and so you know she she has played with a uh, with a bit of grit in these uh, WNBA playoffs, and you can tell that she wants this championship very badly. You know, uh, so badly in fact that she went as far as to uh, guarantee victory uh, after uh, last night's uh, game in, in in the post game locker room. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, a player's guaranteeing victory? <laughs> it's, it's such a prototype Natasha Cloud move, right? Like, Natasha Cloud will just and, – and, and there's not an arrogance to it. There's just a confidence to it. Natasha Cloud believes she is bigger than you, she's stronger than you, she's faster than you, she can shoot better than you, and she's going to beat you, and she's smarter than you. And, and Natasha Cloud is right over and over and over again. I mean, the, the fact that he has – turned herself into this player is a reason why Washington's playing for a championship on Thursday night. Natasha Cloud, let's not forget, four years ago, was a perfectly competent Atlanta 10-point guard for St. Joe's. Natasha Cloud, two years ago, was someone who shot 23% from the field from three, 30% from the field overall, and was about 20 pounds lighter than she is now, all of it uh, muscle that she's put on since then. I mean, this is a player who else made star. And so whether it's on the offensive end and her skills and her abilities, or it's the defensive end where she was able to, I, I mean, they, they probably win game three if she doesn't hold Courtney Williams to two for nine and six total points. So she has been one of the key reasons, and quite frankly, the most consistent player on this team. I think if you're thinking right now who's the MVP of this series and the Washington Mystics win it and Natasha Cloud plays anything in game five like she has in one through four, she's got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, I, I mean, she she has to be at the top of the list. I, I'm kind of biased towards uh, Emma Mieseman. Uh Playoff Emma ha, ha, has been uh, um, a, a, a sight. I mean, she, she, no you know, she, she doesn't really seem to miss much, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I think – I think that one one of the things that I love about her is the fact that it's not always about scoring. You know, she doesn't really force the issue. When she's open, she takes her shot. But I think that a lot of the times the Mystics are able to run their offense kind of through Emma, and she always makes the correct basketball play. 
But well, you know, well, I'm not going to argue uh, whether you know Natasha or Emma uh, should be Finals MVP if the Mystics were to win. I know that they are both very much worthy candidates. And I, go ahead. I, I was just saying, no, Emma absolutely is. But there's there's another aspect of it. I wrote about her over at 5:38 this week. But I was sitting and talking to Mike pregame. Uh, before game three, and essentially he was saying we didn't have any adjustments to make whether Elena is going to go or not. At that point, he still didn't know. And the easy reason why was because you could run all the same plays for Elena, um, but you just run them for Emma Miesemann instead. Well, that's a ridiculous luxury. That's the idea that there's uh, an Elena Deladon stand-in of any kind, let alone one who can just run everything that Elena Deladon runs is insane. And so the fact that Emma Meesman has turned herself into that caliber of player uh, just re- just reflects her journey here in this league so far. And even if ESPN doesn't know who her mom is, I still think Emma Meesman is a really worthwhile talent. <laughs> I thought that that was, that was the highlight of my morning. Uh, he said, I'm sure she's a great mom, just not my mom. That, that was, was a, a perfect tweet. That was over at the Nine newsletter, which Shameless Plug is a way to connect with five different women's sports Every single weekday uh, in your inbox, they do basketball Wednesdays, T-H-E-I-X, the9.substack.com. We made sure to make that our tweet of the week. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, Howard, man, I, I know that you, you have to uh, to get back. You have a very busy afternoon before you make your trek back down to D.C. Uh, tomorrow. But I, I, wanted to, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to come on the podcast and uh, I wanted to first. I want to let, let let's get a prediction for tomorrow. Since you know, I, I'm gonna have to put you on the line here, Howard. No, I I wish I listen. I, and I'm saying this flat out. I don't have a. It's not some. Um, I I think this team's gonna win, but I'm gonna keep it to myself. I truly don't know. I've come and I've sat at press row for every single game in this series and plenty of series where I feel like, geez, I I think I know how this is gonna go, and it's. A, me game after game after game. So I don't know. I have thought in equal measure if well, it's DC or on their home court. This is the the they were destined to win, but Connecticut circled this on the calendar. Kurt talked about it again last night. This has been 2019 for the Connecticut Sun has been the North Star since he came in and took over three years ago. So there's no right obvious answer for you know. Wow, it's this team's time. They're both. For now, you can see it, and it can become clear. And what I think is the best WNBA final we've ever seen in league history. And so, at the risk of seeming like it's a cop out, because I legitimately don't know, I I have no prediction tomorrow other than that it, my heart's going to stop several times in the course of writing it, and it's going to be exceedingly difficult for me to make deadline. But I'm going to make sure I do. Well, Howard, I I don't think that anybody could have given a better possible teaser for uh, tomorrow's night's game than, than that, uh, that short synopsis that you just gave. Howard, I greatly appreciate you coming on. I'm going to give you this opportunity right now to uh, kind of plug yourself and where the people can find you on social media and where they can find your writing. You can find me on Twitter at Howard Megdal, A-W-A-R-D-M-E-G-D-A-L. But I'm telling you, two bits of infrastructure that you need to be a part of. Go get the High Post Hoops app. It is 24-7 women's basketball coverage. We have a crazy talented group of young, diverse people who are covering all things women's basketball 24-7. And I, I think you want to be a part of it. And make sure you subscribe to the Nine newsletter. We've across five different women's sports. You're going to find out 
everything that's going on, you can try it for free. And it's $5 a month to get basketball, hockey, soccer, golf, and tennis from five different writers, four of whom are better than me. The nine, T-H-E-I-X dot substack dot com. I, Howard, that that that's I appreciate that. The the people who are listening, you need to go check out Howard's work. Uh and the people that he works with, they are they do fantastic stuff and, and you know, they they are really progressing the coverage of women's sports. So I greatly appreciate you for that and I appreciate you for coming on, Howard. Oh Troy, a pleasure. Thank you for doing the work you're doing, uh as well. It's it's great to see I'm glad to do it. I'm gonna go bury myself in family now. <laughs> that sounds perfect. All right, Howard. I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds great, Troy. Have have a great night. Take care. Yep. Like Gilbert Arenas, now I'm chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit, it don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking, they try getting fast. Label money, I just telling in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a strip like fucking. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we be on the same team. I want a ball like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing more than that, girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing more than that, girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.